Synchronicity will take you along. And here's your host, Travis William Skink Mateer. All right, I'm your host, Travis Mateer, and you are listening to another episode of Zoomcron. This is episode 23. It'll be going out later today. I'm recording it, uh, let's see, 2.57 p.m. is what I'm looking at. March 1st. Rent is due. I haven't paid it yet. I will be on that maybe after I get done recording, but I got a lot of stuff to get into today. I'm, I'm running solo, so I don't have an interview that I'm going to be featuring. Um, I am going to be including some some audio, though, from the 2022 school board meeting. So last week, Zoomcron episode 22, ironically, was me talking about that experience at the school board. And I'm currently, as I'm talking, as I'm recording this right now, I am downloading the video file from MCAT. And uh, I think I figured out where I am at in a later question that I posed to Pat McHugh, some business guy for the school board, um, who almost killed people. I'm saying that hyperbolically and kind of jokingly. He didn't really almost kill people, but the numbers that he was crunching, it was mind-numbing, soul-sucking. But I persevered for you so that I can bring you my question in which I raised my virtual hand several times, and they kept on lowering it. And uh, I'll include the part in which they were so hopeful that there was no public comments. But surprise, I stuck it out, and I made some public comment uh, in the form of a question in which Pat McHugh um, will show how amazing he is in using language that mystifies even the smartest and most discerning of listeners to respond to my inquiry. And that inquiry actually is going to be part of what we're talking about today. So tax increment financing, it's really hot again. Um, made a little documentary with some amazing people called Engens Missoula. You can go to www.engensmissoula.com. That's E-N-G-E-N-S-M-I-S-S-O-U-L-A.com. And you can check out the docuseries. It is fantastic, in my humble opinion. Definitely could be a little shorter. I think at some point we will definitely... I say definitely, but it's going to take some collaboration to potentially scale it down. But it is a three-part series, and it took this length of time to really convey that we are not fucking stupid in the way that people like Ellen Buchanan, the Missoula Redevelopment Agency director, would like people to think of themselves as sort of like not capable of wrapping their tiny little brains around this high-vaulted concept of tax increment financing. And one of the things we're going to get into today is how my prophecy is already coming true. That's right. Um, But before we get to my prophecy, uh, I do want to check in with some of the school board stuff that happened since last week. And so I, let's see, 15 to 1 is what the breakdown was in terms of the public comment that was made Um, before they got into the official business. So from what I learned at that Zoom meeting of the school board on 2-22-2022 was that the attempts to even get get the mask mandate on the agenda were unsuccessful. And so at the very beginning of the meeting is when the public comments were made. And so I'm going to include that 
after I'm done now here. So that'll be that'll be happening. You'll be able to hear from the parents themselves. Um, you couldn't see the parents, so no video was allowed. Uh, we couldn't see each other, uh, so we couldn't see how many people were actually showing up to make pu public comment virtually, and I think that's by design, as some commenters pointed out. But the result was really interesting in terms of later in the week, the CDC providing cover for the cowards. Um, and I do look at most of the school board members as being as being cowards. Um, I mean, you can't even put it on the agenda. Like, what, 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 what are you losing out by not putting it on the agenda? Are you losing control so, so scarily that it's just it's too terrifying to even consider putting it on the official agenda? I mean, I'm just mystified by this level of of fuck you coming from the school board. Um, we also now know that Rob Watson is on his way out, and so there's going to be some interesting questions coming up. Um, about a host of things and uh, let's see I'm gonna actually let's see if I can find this while I rattle on a bit um, some of the stuff that, that's coming up that's being brought to the attention of local reporting by Mike Gell so uh, um, I believe he's a school board trustee is that there is going to be no request of whoever's taking over for Rob Watson as the superintendent of the Missoula County School Board. There, there's going to be no request that this person submits a resume or any kind of like qualifications. I'm not sure why that would be the case. Um, also, I think they're removing the ability of the school board to have oversight over instructions. That's just like, you know, what what's going on here? So um, I'm scrolling through KGVO. Let me see if I can find this because... Um, this is this is pretty interesting. It's one of the things that I wanted to get into before I get to the school board stuff. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but let's just I'll, I'll keep rambling on a bit. Um, so ultimately, what ended up happening at the end of the week? So Tuesday was the school board meeting. On Friday, then the CDC provides that cover, and Rob Watson springs into action, gets to look like the hero. Mask mandate done. We get word Saturday that um, our target range school district, which is closely sort of aligned, or at least from my impression, follows the um, follows the leadership, quote-unquote, scare quotes, of MCPS. And so got word Saturday that my kids would be attending school Monday without having to put stupid cloths over their face. Very, very excited, very happy that that was happening, um, but also just doubly ready to continue supporting candidates for the school board, because we do have a school board election coming up. Um, and so very very interested to see um, the get into the sort of the individuals running for the school board so that there is some some diversity you know include inclusivity is a word that I like to hear thrown around well there's going to be some inclusivity I hope if there's some successful electoral action taken and we, if we can trust the software which according to Jane Rechtenwald in Montana we should be very wary of the software so I do take note of that um, okay, well, let's see. I <clears throat> can't find that piece, but I'm going to be including some stuff um, in the show notes, some links to past posts and to some articles, so that'll be fun. All right, so one of the things I wanted to do is go through the past week's reporting that I did, and one of the things that I was able to accomplish was a questionnaire, a virtual questionnaire through Engage Missoula. In order to get some feedback on tax increment financing, I'm just really feeling like the hotness of, of tax increment financing. The acronym is TIF. So when I start talking about the TIF, you're going to know what I'm saying. It is the Ellen Buchanan Show. I got word that she is listening, and this is according to a screenshot I provided on the old blog, ZoomCron. You can go to www.zoomcron.com if you want to check out the blog. 
And they had questions like, I mean, questions. This is this is fun. The number six was um, public buildings and facilities that deliver social services. So if, this is a long one. Bear with me. Communities depend on public spaces like libraries, community centers, schools, government and public safety buildings. They also depend on social service programs that are often provided by nonprofit organizations with assistance from government agencies. The MRA invests in improvements to public buildings and spaces, as well as to facilities that support the social services networks necessary for a healthy community. <clears throat> this investment helps to ensure that Missoula can continue to provide services that assist everyone in our community. Do you view public buildings and facilities that deliver social services as something MRA should continue to invest in? <clears throat> I have to clear my throat. So this is actually hilarious. This this fits into what I was doing earlier today before before coming into the studio to record this. So I parked in downtown Missoula. West Main is where I am located in my studio at the Zootown Arts Community Center. But I felt compelled to not go directly into my studio because of a agitated woman I saw at the county courthouse. Um, there were some blankets strewn across the benches, and the woman was talking out loud, sort of seemed to be in some level of distress and I saw a woman female police officer was responding and so I was curious and interested my presence ended up not being helpful though um, and the officer seemed to uh, both utilize some of her de-escalation skills which kudos to her and then Madam Butterfly another uh, figure I'm kind of aware of was able to come and, and help this this agitated woman um, sort of chill out a bit but this was playing out um, as it, a little tense actually because as this woman was clearly in some level of mental distress there was a guy in a pickup truck that started just yelling like in the cab of his truck started yelling um, not too far away from us and so the officer took note of that um, and so it was it, there was something in the air there was some some definite tension just kind of floating around so I rode that little floaty wave of tension um, past the county courthouse and I decided that I was going like, to pop into City Hall. I haven't been to City Hall in a long time. That's where municipal court is. Um, and I was just so so overcome with uh, excitement over the 10-year plan to end homelessness and the clear success that was being um, demonstrated by this woman in distress. I was like, I just wanted to share my, my joy that I was seeing success happen right in front of my eyes. So I walked into the, the municipal building Lo and behold, they've got a whole new level of security. I have not seen this level of security. Um, so this is new development. This is building improvement. I don't know if MRA funding went to it, but I definitely <clears throat> noted the safety glass and the officer behind the safety glass. And uh, I, I asked the officer if he could maybe send a message to the mayor that I was seeing success right outside, right now. Success was happening with the 10-year plan on homelessness. And I made sure I made sure that that... that officer knew that we were in the 10th year of that 10-year plan to end homelessness. <clears throat> it may have just been a coincidence that on the opposite side of this little sort of small constricted area now, because you can't just walk in and go into the hallway, you're in this enclosure, kind of like a cell. Uh, another door opened and someone came out. I don't know if it was municipal court, but perhaps my enthusiasm for the success that was clearly being demonstrated out on the streets of Missoula, maybe someone was interested in just seeing how enthusiastic I was. So someone popped out of out of the, the door. Um, the woman that actually came in through the door behind me um, was with a gentleman, and I recognized her. I'd had a conversation previously. The way the, the universe works is just magical. So um, decided to, to exit since I clearly, I think I'd sent my message uh, of support for the 10-year plan to end homelessness. And I walked back to the studio, um, but not before I stopped and had some conversations with some officers in uniform 
a positive conversation because when I see officers in moments where I might be able to have a conversation, so they were just idle, they weren't responding to something, they were kind of by where the food vestibule is, um, the taco place that had to change its name for virtue signaling reasons. Ninja Mike's. It's not Ninja Mike's anymore. It's something less offensive, apparently, but um, and it's escaping me. But the officers were really nice. I told them about uh, the Rogers International investigation that I was doing. So this is private security that has the, the city contract to provide security around homeless sites. One of the officers had seen the NBC Montana piece, was very interested in that piece. Oh, man, that made me happy. I smiled big. And it was cool because they could see my smile because I had no mask on. I could see their smiles. They didn't have masks on. We had a we had a three-person human smiling moment between two people in, in uniform and me, um, not in uniform, I didn't have my cool black jacket on, which was unfortunate, but all of us smiling at the reporting being done by NBC Montana about Rogers International. So as I uh, express my respect and support for boots on the ground, people deal dealing with impossible situations, you know, it was a positive thing. And so I think partly maybe the thaw is happening. It was sunny and very warm. So we've had a cold snap and the cold was really annoying for this time of February, but you know, Montana, it happens. So it was nice to have a good positive conversation. Boots on the ground, law enforcement, respect yeah. Went back, walked into the studio. Now, here I am. That's virtually because you're listening to this somehow. And I'm here to record a conversation about some of the stuff that's happening. So that was a fun little side tangent that I just went on because of this public buildings and facilities that deliver social services question that I answered. And really the answer is just kind of like, do you love it? Um, do you hate it? Like, and you get a little scale. And then, but the, the, the chance at the very end is why I, I went through this process. And that's because there's a chance to provide public comment. And that's gonna be part of our theme today also is public comment. So public comment, that was number seven in this little brief questionnaire that I was able to do at Engage Missoula. I should include a link to that in the show notes. But this is it. This section provides space for you to include any additional information that you think will be helpful to the MRA as we work towards a true community vision. So this was my response. The blatant misuse of TIF and disregard for the limitations of blight mean either officials like Engen and Buchanan are removed from office or the TIF tool need to be removed from their grasp like sharp objects are removed from the hands of irresponsible toddlers. Now, I don't know if I phrased it the perfect way. Um, I was overcome again with just enthusiasm with so much fucking success that just confronts me on an almost hourly basis now here in Zoomtown. Um, but that was the that was what I wrote as the response. So yay, fun times. Moving on, let me see what else did I write about this past week. We uh, I'm just kind of scrolling through the blog. Oh, that's right. This is one of the things I wanted to get to. So one of the something is going to accompany this podcast episode, and it'll be a blog post. You can get a, a link, and it's going to be where the prophecy comes true. My prophecy and it, how it, it comes true. It's pretty cool. So on February 23rd, I wrote an open letter to Daniel Carlino, and I'm going to read this open letter to Mr. Carlino, and we'll move on from there. So I've been thinking about writing this open letter for a few weeks now, but some recent factors have made the timing ideal to state 
with cautious optimism that I may have been wrong in my cynical assessment of Daniel Carlino. When I see Mr. Carlino getting the Gomer treatment, Gomer is a propagandist who pretends to be a reporter, for those of you who don't know, for his worrisome vote aligned with the two remaining conservative votes, signaling the possible existence of an independent political spine, well, I'm willing to put aside my concern that this city council position is just a stepping stone to higher office. Because a person like that has easy levers to pull from the perspective of a skilled political operator like great leader and his many enablers. One lever that's easily yanked by this cabal is the guilt by association card. How would this work, you ask? I will provide an example. Let's say Daniel Carlino decided to finally give me a direct call on the old telephone. Would I openly acknowledge a call like that had been placed? Nope, I wouldn't. A recent, oh, and a recent comment from, quote, Kevin, not J. Kevin Hunt, shows precisely how that guilt by association is being set up. So this is a quote from Kevin's longer comment. I loved your film covering the TIFF issue and watched the whole thing. I've been reading your blog off and on over the years and love when you call out the shitty developers and corrupt government in Missoula. Then I see tastes like this one that are so lost in the sauce that it's no wonder no one wants to be associated with a film that carries your name. It makes me, and likely many other rational people, question the validity of all your other work, which is a real shame. Get your shit together and stop being such a reactionary whiner so you can be taken seriously enough in the broader community to have your good work shared with more people. And if you're going to make claims stating that COVID vaccine bad, mask bad, please link to some relevant research to back that shit up. Or stop calling yourself a, quote, citizen journalist and call yourself a, quote, citizen reactionary blogger. Oh, oh, stings. Kevin, Kevin, that smarts. Um, so after I was reduced to a, just a puddle of tears over that, that criticism from Kevin, I managed to just, you know, pull myself up and, uh, and face the world again. And then I continued writing this open letter to Mr. Carlino continuing. This is me now. Now the coolest part of this much longer comment is the claim, not in this excerpt that I'm trying to be a red pill edgelord. So that is the part I chose to respond to. The other stuff is just concern trolling, hoping for an unhinged response. That, that would be for me. I offer this expert as evidence of the kind of mentality percolating out there in Zoomtown. If, Dan, if Daniel, if Daniel Carlino called me on the phone, I would assume he already understands the risks associated due to this town's political dynamics. And there, therefore, that call would certainly give me even more encouragement that his political spine is for real. The documentary Engins Missoula is a film I am very proud of, and I would love to take full credit for doing the heavy lifting, but alas, I wasn't the one bringing the dog magic to the process. So already, you can see the guilt by association risk being deployed by Kevin as he pretends to compliment the moments my content align with his sense of right think. I assume a hypothetical call from Daniel Carlino would entail a discussion about how to rein in the obvious tax increment financing abuses, so clearly on display for those paying attention. That discussion is already happening in the increasingly lively comment threads on posts about TIFF or the shitty reporting on TIFF being spewed out by Martin Gomer Kidston. I'm willing to consider any and all possibilities. For example, I attended the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival's Doc Shop on Art and Activism, where I learned there is something called an impact campaign. So now I'm thinking about where I can make an appeal for funding so I can take the Engins Missoula 
documentary on a Montana road trip around this glorious state to politely shame Republicans for not doing more to take the sharp tool away from irresponsible toddlers. See, that's where I got that part from. Another idea that has been discussed is a citizen-led initiative to make sure the voting public is involved with any bonds that risk extending the task siphoning life of urban renewal districts, or what I'm going to start calling the financial engines of Missoula's shadow government. I'm looking at you, Ellen. If putting bonds to a vote is a solution being seriously considered, my question is this. Do you really trust the software? Because Republicans in Missoula do not, and they have been bucking their own state leadership on this issue, and have been doing so in spite of winning big. Weird. It's almost like they're legitimately worried about the actual integrity of our elections. Of our elections. I need to enunciate. So there it is, my open letter to Daniel Carlino, a young man I can only imagine having spoken with, perhaps after imbibing a strong strain of sativa from Nick Chakota's groovy weed shop. Yeah, I had to get a jab in at old Nick at the end, because why not? So, if you, if you were listening, and if tax increment financing is not something that anyone really wants to listen to anything about, and that's part of the problem, part of the design... But you notice I said something about debt, and that's where the prophecy comes in. That's where I prophesize about what was going to happen that did in fact happen, as I will be reporting maybe later today or tomorrow. We'll see. Um, so let's see. Uh, going up next. So I had an interesting post called Local Media Landscape, Citizens Filling the Vacuum Amidst Legacy Media Failure and Censorious Critics. Um and I'm just kind of scrolling through. This was a, um, oh, that's right. The sippy cup spilleth, spilleth over. This was where um, I showed what great leader does for the people that greatly support him. And so um, Brian Sippy and Karen Sippy are the proud owners of the Radius Gallery. And they are also the proud supporters of Democrats, including Angan. Um, and that support seems to have, I guess correlation is not causation, but now they got about $94,000 to play with of tax increment financing. So they got some of that sweet tiff to help renovate some of the M store stuff. So because of the pandemic, there was financial distress in the building next door in the business. So they came in and were able to take that, transform that financial distress into more opportunity for themselves because they love great leader. I mean, that's just amazing to me. I love that story. I love that narrative um, of how you can support great leader and then great leader can turn around and, and support you. And so can Ellen, you know, because um, they are there sort of at the at the behest of our great leader. But after taking some screenshots of the political donations, I then went and linked to that um, sweet, sweet Tiff story. So that was that was fun. And then there was a song that I recorded. Oh, Ellen. And I'm going to record or not record. I am going to include that song at the end of this post. So post podcast. Okay. Where's the coffee? Take a sip of the coffee. At the end of the podcast, there will be a song. And the song is for Ellen because she's truly, truly talented as you're going to see by the end when the prophecy becomes clear. So war kind of broke out. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. I liked the meme in which the NPC had his back of his head opened up and the COVID chip was taken out and then the Ukraine chip was put in because feels kind of accurate assessment of what's going on. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. 
I took it as an opportunity to do some things like highlight some excerpts from a book that came out in 1962 by Anthony Burgess, who wrote The Clockwork Orange. And this book is called The Wanting Seed. Pretty interesting stuff. And then also hyperlocalism means keep on paying attention to your backyard because we're not in Ukraine. Um, we're not going to be fighting Ukraine. We're not the grandma's picking up the Kalashnikov or whatever the fuck's going on over there. Um, you know, weapons are being passed off the Asmov battalion. Um, totally not Nazis at all. No, they're not Nazis. Uh, actually, they are lineage, legit Nazis. Um, but it's cool because um, Crack Smoking Hunter was over there doing Burisma business deals and shit. Um, back during the Obama days when there was like this maiden massacre, indiscriminate fire from some snipers, you know, phone call, Victoria Newland, put the Yats guy in. He's our guy. I mean, this shit is so fucking corrupt on a global scale. Um, I, I sometimes weep that I see people just getting sucked into these large national, international geopolitical narratives in which they have no agency or control. Um, they need to get ready for prices exploding locally um, and doing some preparation for what what that might mean. Um, because when the when the people pretending to be Western Ukrainian soldiers that might actually be thugs come knocking on your door, it might not be to protect you. It might not be. You just might have to be aware of those realities. So, so I'm going to sip coffee real quick. Ah, it's tough not having someone on the other end of the table. To take, for me to take a, a few breaks. It's just me talking and talking, but I can do this. I actually love doing this and I'm going to keep doing it um, because I don't think the video has fully downloaded yet. So scrolling through CDC gives school board cowards cover for backing down amidst parental sentiment summed up in one word. Enough. Yep. That's right. I wrote about it and we're going to hear about it here soon. Oh, let's see. And then, so so what the one of the previous posts about uh, censorious censoring citizens um, led to an interesting comment. That comment, <clears throat> the name used by someone was David Bethman. David Bethman is a real person who I have since met. Uh, really appreciative of you know the fact we had this opportunity to meet in person to talk to know that he's not the one that made this this comment that sort of came out of left field well not left field because we're pissing off a lot of people um so myself folks involved with the documentary a comment with some specific information came in and very interesting stuff is now sort of developing uh one of my sort of gut feelings brought to my attention from someone else that had sort of a a similar feeling that um I, uh, a little background. So Rebecca Barsati is a missing person. She went missing on July 20th. A couple weeks ago, I took a field trip to Superior, Montana, where she was last seen alive um, by the town pump. I've been doing some reporting around the lifeguard group. They just got $30,000 from town pump, <coughs> excuse me, to, um, to combat human trafficking. The lifeguard group is very interesting. Lowell Hochalter is the head of that group. He's also the chaplain for the Missoula County Sheriff's Department. Some of the stuff I've been looking into this week is, is there a job description for the chaplain? The answer to that is no. There is no job description for the chaplain. So now I have to submit something uh, to try and get some insight about policies surrounding conflict of interest. Um, another interesting thing, because Superior's in Mineral County, so, uh, Mike Toth is the sheriff for Mineral County. I had some information that Mike Toth was in the hospital. 
So on Monday of this week, you know, that's just that's yesterday. I called the sheriff's department. This is this is how my Monday began. Call the sheriff's department in Mineral County and ask Lisa is the person to answer the phone. I wanted her to confirm for me that the sheriff was in the hospital. And she's like, what? I'm like your sheriff is in the hospital is what I understand. Is that true? And she's like, I, I don't know. She, she had no idea. Nothing had no clue about the sheriff. Um, wanted to send me to his voicemail. And I told Lisa, you know, I'm going to check with some other sources, Lisa. And so I, I bid her adieu. And then do, 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 do. I called up St. Pat's and said, yeah, I'd like to, um, you know, talk to Mike Toth. He, I, he's in the hospital. And so they sent me to his room number, uh, you know, phone wise. And I ended up hanging up cause I didn't really have anything to say at that point to Sheriff Toth. I just wanted to confirm that he was in the hospital. A local reporter in Superior was also not aware that their sheriff was in the hospital. I think Wayne Cashman is maybe the acting sheriff. I'd have to double check that. So kind of interesting, right? Um, really starting to get kind of a Twin Peaks feel. On my field trip to Superior, I talked to David Barsotti's caretaker, Randy Walker. Interesting conversation. She told me she didn't want to comment. She was actually working at the Big Sky Inn. So this motel very close to the interstate. Town Pump, also obviously very close to the interstate. Um, Brandy Walker didn't want to make any comment because she told me she works for David Barsotti. And then she proceeds to say a lot of stuff to me in, in person. And then later, I had a nice long recorded conversation with her on the phone. So she was aware I was recording her. And she said lots of things. Some of the stuff that we've been communicating about is why she sent me pictures of David Barsotti's foot. Uh, he apparently had an injured foot, and this, according to Brandy Walker, is evidence of why David Barsotti could not have been present at the river on July 20th when his wife is presumed to have had a river accident, quotes. So some interesting stuff that I've been looking into, uh, and David Bethman, the real David Bethman, his initials, DB, um, whoever has been making comments, because a second comment did come in, which I did not fully release, I just wrote, released a portion um, DB is how this person is signing off hugs comma DB. So is it David Barsotti? I don't know, but I got a blog that I can speculate on and show some data points like the IP address. Um, you know, do a little screenshot, the bullshit email that this coward used. Um, and it was nice meeting David Bethman in person because now I'm going to be probably checking out the freedom convoy. that's going to be coming through town tomorrow. And David Bethman helped organize some stuff down in Hamilton so ultimately, new friend, new ally in the fight for freedom. So pretty kick-ass. So thanks, DB. Um, and if you are eyepatch guy, um, eyepatch husby, husby, hu- husband, former estranged husband of Rebecca Barsotti, uh, a person that's been missing, and someone told the insurance company that she was deceased. Only person that could be is the other policyholder. So a lot of weird shit there. Um Moving on, Rogers International, the private security firm, formed in March of 2020 and then got some city contract. I was going to say contracts, plural, but I'm not sure if it's one contract or multiple contracts. Um, Some actual legacy media reporting has happened on that. So on Sunday, NBC Montana did a very long piece. So good job, Connor. The shit rocked. Um, More reporting will be coming out around this. Uh, I had done some... Before NBC Montana put out their piece, I finally aired the fact that it looked like Rogers International was using a fake address for their business license for the Secretary of State. So 
1211 South Reserve Street is not where Rogers International is. I don't think they ever were. So I, I kind of think that Lynn Pritchard, the co-owner of the company, along with her husband, David Pritchard, um, who has a fabulous beard, uh, David Pritchard and Lynn Pritchard. I think Lynn lied to me when she told me that they had moved from that location because I suspect they never were at that location. And funny enough, um, as some of their personnel were rolling up on the guy that was being interviewed for the official NBC Montana broadcast, um, I was downtown talking to another homeless guy that gave me a few hints and clues I followed up on so that I was able to find Rogers International, their real office, you know, hidden away, tucked away in this building, innocuous looking building behind Baskins and Robbins. So I uh, went there, knocked on the door. No one answered. I, again, I believe that there might be a lot of cowardice involved in some of this shit. Um, people hiding, people not wanting any light of exposure on them. They don't want, you know, their city contract scrutinized, emails that they're sending. Emily Armstrong, the coordinator of the 10-year plan, reaching home, the 10-year plan to end homelessness. I mean, people just don't want any kind of scrutiny, but fucking tax dollars are being spent towards this shit. So it's going to happen to some degree. Get used to it. Um, and get used to me commenting on beards. I, I may have a beard thing. Um, and, I, and I'll work on that in session and counseling. So um, as, as we move forward, it was a lot of fun to, to be able to show the real location of this business that's helping the homeless by tracking them down. And Howard, a very helpless person who offered some perspective on being tracked by Rogers International, gave me a brief interview as I was standing holding a sign during a Rebecca Barsati vigil. Weird how things work, just crazy stuff. So um, Howard though, man, that, that guy, that guy is something. And I actually saw Howard earlier today and he was walking with an extra sort of like oomph in his stride after just talking to someone really briefly on West Broadway. Like they were like briefly talking and then they like quickly kind of like separated. Um, I don't know what could have been happening. I'm just like merely watching Howard. I mean, Howard's been off of meth for four years, he told me in the interview. So, um, yeah. Also noticed that, that there were two uh, Missoula County Sheriff cars at the POV as I was seeing lots of interesting activity just all around that area. They didn't, all that activity didn't seem to be too perturbed by uh, the presence of the whoop whoop. Okay, so let me just see. I think there there may have been a few more posts. Um, but no, that may, I think that, that gets us up to speed for the most part. So um, I'm going to now, I'm going to pause and I'm going to, to check on the, the downloading so that I can bring you the voices of the parents who put themselves out there to make public comment uh, it's not easy to do. Um, it really, really is not. Even if it's virtual, even if your face is invisible, um, you are going to be addressing people. And it's this Inquisition-looking thing. All their faces are represented in these little cubes on your screen. Um, oh, man. So that's coming up. And also my question to Pat about Tiff. Yeah, I tiffed Pat. I tiffed him good. Good stuff. So stay tuned. I'm going to pause, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back after a longer than anticipated intermission um, due to just new information keeps on coming on in. You know, and I open the door and I say, come on in, new information. Why don't you come on in, take a seat, um, and let me know what's going on. And then new information just says blah, 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 blah. So that, that's fun. Um, all right, also, and I got the download to work finally. I figured it out after some hiccups. So 
um, back to my prophecy. Um, I made a prophecy and I was able to get the school board audio sort of cut up the way I needed it to. And so we're going to reverse the timeline here. So we're going to go back in time. Um, and instead of the, the school board comments made by parents, which was at the beginning of the school board meeting, um, I'm going to first include my question uh, to Pat. Um, and notice my tone. Uh, oh, I was already fired up. And this is because I had waited for so long to ask a question. I had raised my hand virtually multiple times and they kept on lowering it. Um, and, but I, I persevered. And, and so this is the first thing that I'm going to provide from the school board meeting is my question to Pat about uh, tax increment financing, urban renewal districts. And, and then um, after that clip, we're gonna, I'm going to come back on and I'm going to finish up the prophecy part in which the prophecy was fulfilled as of today. And then I'm going to conclude this podcast episode with the parental voices that um, came forward, just their voices, not their faces on Zoom, just their voices. And those voices are going to get a chance to be heard by you, the listener. So I'm glad you are listening, listener. Um, no one in local media reported on what the parents were, were saying, um, but I like to document stuff, posterity, history, I like history. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. So here is my question now to Pat um, McHugh. I think that's his name. Um, enjoy. I know I did. Okay, uh, me really quickly again, a quick setup. So Diane is going to be the person speaking. Um, the partnership she is referring to is between uh, Lowell School and then Par Partnership Health Center um, and Elise. And so there's going to be a little bit of that information before getting to my sweet, sweet comment. Okay, now here we go. I, I guess I'll just say this has been a really excellent partnership and it's been a little slow to start, but I think that expanding it to the, the full families and the neighbor, more people in the neighborhood will help it a lot. So. Um, so no other board discussion. Hey, do we have any public comment? No hands are well, actually, sorry, we do. We have a Travis. Please go ahead and, uh, unmute your mic, say your name and make your three minute public comment. Yeah, my name is Travis Matier. Last name is M A T E E R. I took off my parent hat and I'm putting on my citizen journalist hat, Pat, to inquire whether or not you've ever looked into the financial impact of tax increment financing and running a shadow government called the Missoula Redevelopment Agency. And I'm also wondering if you've ever done any financial crunching on what it costs the school board um, to not allow urban renewal districts to sunset. So for example, when the pedestrian bridge was bonded um, in order to, to be built, uh, that extended the life of that urban renewal district. And so do you ever do any kind of financial analysis Pat, of what it costs to continue running a shadow government called the Missoula Redevelopment Agency, um, and what it's going to cost when the other urban renewal district um, doesn't sunset because, lo and behold, I'm sure we'll pass some kind of bond and take on some new debt so some little tiny uh, provision can be triggered. Um, do you have any, any uh, answer to that, Pat? Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Pat, do you want to go ahead and say anything to those items? Yeah, um, we have looked at that when we've looked at, uh, um, at uh, some of the remittances from, from tax increment financing districts that have come our way. And these are 
when uh, the Missoula, Missoula Redevelopment Agency um, has remitted funds back to, to the city. And then as a taxing entity, we also receive a commensurate amount of those those funds. And, and by state statute, our use is limited, so we can use any of those remittances to reduce taxes, basically, which is or to build reserves, and that's what we've used them for. Um, and I don't have any numbers, but certainly in the context of the 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 uh, those districts, um, the the impact is when the districts continue, the tax valuation grows inside the district, and so it doesn't grow. Um, um, in a way that increases values among all of the uh, uh, Missoula community. So then in that, in that way, um, it's not the, the growth in those TIFs are not contributing towards the, um, the levies by taxing jurisdictions like ourselves. So the, the impact without looking at numbers would be that you could have a reduced tax cost or reduced millage uh, um, based upon an increased mill value, if that makes sense. So I, I certainly don't have any specific numbers, but but that would be the overall impact of of having a, a TIF return back um, as a piece of property within a taxing jurisdiction. Thank you, Pat. Um, so, is there any other public comment? Okay, so I hope that was enjoyable for the listening audience out there. Um, now let's get to the prophecies. So the post that I'm going to have beneath this podcast as it shows up um, at zoomcron.com, it's, it's called My TIF Debt Prophecy is Already Coming True. Um, and maybe I should just go ahead and read it. It'll probably be the easiest thing to do. And then at the end of this, I'm going to get to the parental comments. All right. My prophecy of strategic debt being taken on in the form of a bond to extend the life of Urban Renewal District 2 was declared less than two weeks ago, and it's already coming true. Once I realized the Ellen Buchanan show was going to do a repeat of the pedestrian bridge scam, I did what I could to tell people who should give a shit, like the Missoula County School Board, but they don't. I gave MCPS a chance to benefit from my prophecy at the 1 hour 22 minute mark, but it didn't appear my TIF questions made any discernible impact. The thing I warned about is now a headline in the Missoulian, and the lack of imagination is impressive. The scheme to extend URD2 will be accomplished with another pedestrian bridge. Fucking brilliant, Bookie-Poo. If you don't know the Bookie-Poo uh, nickname I'm now using, the song at the very end of this all will, will make it more apparent. You have to wade through a lot of filler about this dumbass project before getting to the scheming part that is this project's true function. Here is some of the more relevant information about what's being planned. So here's a quote. There's agreement in the working group, and there is among staff, that the bridge is a top priority from our perspective, Bukipoo said, uh, Buchanan said. She estimated the cost of developing the bridge to be roughly $3.5 However, she made the estimate assuming the bridge would have to be widened using a cantilever process because trains would still need to go across. Now, she said, the cancellation of the lease by Montana Rail Link means the project could be less expensive. Now everything's changed, she said. We're not going to be running trains down that railroad line anymore, so there is an opportunity to do something less expensive there and utilize the structure. 
that's there rather than having to build on it. Buchanan said that most likely all of the projects she listed would, and this is the part I highlight, need to be paid for by taking on debt through TIF revenue bonds, which have to be approved by city council. Ding, 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 ding. All right. Uh, so me continuing on the, on the blog post. The bold part is the scam. If the debt is taken on, then the life of the urban renewal district can be extended and the tax increment will continue getting skimmed off the top for MRA instead of going to uh, going back to the general fund. Okay, I got it. That's a typo. Since this debt should get a city council vote, one question I have is what will Daniel Carlino do? I wrote an open letter to Carlino last week after the school board meeting, but maybe my brief hope of a Carlino awakening was misplaced. According to the Missoulian article, Carlino's support of this bridge project seems to be getting seems to be getting sculpted into place. According to the Missoulian article, Carlino's support. <clears throat> All right, I might have to clean up this too. Good thing I'm reading it before posting this, huh? Um, so here's the excerpt that implies Carlino will support this project, but there isn't a fresh quote to indicate that this support still exists. Okay, I might be reading too much into this, but just bear with me. So here's the quote from the Missoulian article. Daniel Carlino, a city council member, has posted on social media twice about his support for using the bridge as a pedestrian path. All right, and here's me writing. Hmm, did the reporter David Erickson actually reach out to Carlino for this article, or did he just scroll through social media? And when did Carlino make his two supportive statements about this bridge during his campaign? Before the information about debt-triggering URD life extension could be brought into his calculations? Hmm. If Daniel Carlino really does support this bridge and the debt that will keep the URD scam going, then I see no reason to explore an alliance between my hyperlocalism and his political ambitions. Uh, okay, maybe that's too harsh. Maybe that's too harsh. Maybe I should think about that before posting it or have thought about it before reading it out loud to a listening audience. But... Um, the point being, this is the scam they're trying to pull off. They found this bridge project that Daniel Carlino made two, two supportive statements on social media. My suspicion is he is being sculpted and coerced and penned in to that position. Um, I think David Erickson, well, I don't know, maybe they're busy over there at the Missoulian. Um, but it's, it's a very interesting way to, I think, frame things especially if Daniel Carlino wasn't given the opportunity to make a direct quote. I'm not sure that's speculation. Um, anyways, now let us go to the parental comments. Um, this is going to be, uh, I think, almost maybe a half an hour. Um, and then at the very end, let us rejoice in song. Thank you so much. Here you go. Okay, I'm showing six o'clock. Um we might as well start. Um, I'm showing trustees present being Lorenzen, Avgaris, Decker, McDonald, Mercer, Oldperson, Vogel, Wake, and Walker Andrews. Did I miss anyone? Hobbins is here. Thank you. Okay, and Hobbins. Okay, thank you very much. That's the roll call. Um, and then we'll have the Pledge of Allegiance, and I think that'll be handled by... Uh, the office there, Rob?
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic, for which, republic it stands, for which it stands, one nation, one nation under, God, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Um, our next agenda item is to approve the minutes. We have the minutes from the Board of Trustees regular board meeting, February 8th, 2022. Um, they were in your packet. Um, I hope people had a chance to review those in their packet. Um, do we have any corrections or additions to the minutes? Uh, Trustee Walker-Andrews? I just wanted to say I wasn't there, so I won't vote, that's all. Okay. Oh, and Trustee Gale has joined the meeting. Um, okay, do we have a motion to approve those minutes? Moved by Trustee Wake. Do we have a second? I need to change my view, don't I? A second by okay. Trustee Hobbins. Thank you. Just a sec. I need to get into that uh, different view. I don't remember how to do it. There it is. So it has been moved and seconded to approve the minutes from the February 8th regular board meeting. All trustees in favor, please signify by raising your hand. And that is unanimous as to all trustees present. Um, our next item is agenda item five, public comment. Um, public comment regarding non-agenda items, three minutes per speaker maximum with the rules that that have always applied, no uh, infringing on the rights and privacy of others. Uh, do we have any public comment? Yes, we do. We have a couple. Uh, the first one will be a Jill Tabor. Please unmute your mic and spell your name and make your three-minute public comment. Hello. My name is Jill Tabor, J-I-L-L-T-A-B-E-R. MCPS is one of the last holdouts in the mass mandate. I continue to be completely baffled. I'm sorry, it's really hard to hear. It, I want to be able to hear, but it's really difficult to hear. It's really muffled. Is anybody else having that problem? Yes. Is it getting better? A little better. If you can just speak up as loud as you can. Yeah. Hey. Is that better now? Yes. Okay. Again, this is Jill Tabor, J-I-L-L-T-A-B-E-R. We are one of the last school districts to be holding out on the mask mandate debate. I am continually baffled that our kids are wearing masks and bearing the burden of COVID while this board continues to say there's more important issues to talk about for the agenda. I keep hearing from families who've had enough. And what's worse, when those families ask for answers, they're dismissed. We are parents advocating for our kids and we are ignored. On top of this, here we are on another Zoom meeting. Our kids and teachers attend school in person and this board meets via Zoom. I don't think it's because you're afraid of COVID, I think you're afraid of having parents like me in the room. You won't even allow me to show my face when I speak or see who else is logged into this meeting from the public. The lack of transparency by this board is an embarrassment. 
You are not above being held accountable by the taxpayers you represent. Election day is May 3rd. Thank you. Is there any more, Paul? Yes. Next one up is uh, Melissa. Please state your name and spell it. Melissa Shelvin, uh, M-E-L-I-S-A-S-C-H-E-L, -S -S -E as in Victor, A-N. Uh, not now. Go ahead with your comment. Are you done? Melissa, can you hear us? You can go ahead and make your comment. I can hear you, but can you hear me? Yes, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so as I said, I'm Melissa Shelvin, and several months ago, I sent you all an email asking you to please consider the mask literature for yourself, since you have been given so much authority over the well-being of other people's children. I've referenced a paper by two CDC employees that was published in 2021 called Effectiveness of Mask Wearing to Control Community Spread of SARS-CoV-2. This paper is listed on the CDC website as a resource to justify wearing masks. I just want to take a minute and follow up on my email. Perhaps you'll recall one of the many statements in the paper that I found questionable, and I quote, Covering the nose and mouth may inhibit verbal and nonverbal communication, particularly for children and deaf individuals. However, children aged 7 to 13 years have been shown to be able to make accurate inferences about the emotions of others with partially covered faces." Unquote. That last statement was apparently justified based on a study by Seth Pollock and Ashley Ruba. So I looked up that peer-reviewed paper. Let me read the actual statistically significant results from that paper. The main effect of covering showed that children were more accurate when faces were uncovered compared to when the faces wore a mask or shades. The same was found for sadness, for anger, and for fear. Finally, the authors concluded, thus, across all emotions, children were less accurate with faces that wore a mask compared to faces that were not covered, end quote. Ms. Walker Andrews responded to my email. I don't have the time to read her response fully, so I'll paraphrase here that she spoke to Seth Pollock, and he told her that he saw no empirical evidence that masks are impairing children's emotional or social development. That brings my, me to my first question for you all. Doesn't Seth Pollock mean he has seen no empirical evidence other, other than the empirical evidence he published in his own paper? Also, what exactly was he basing that statement on? Has he had the time to study these kids? Because I can just as easily make a statement that I do see evidence that it is impairing these kids based on behaviors and attitudes that I have witnessed in my own daughter. In her email, Dr. Walker Andrews went on to tell me that she published a paper many decades ago reporting that infants as young as seven months could match facial and those vocal expressions of happiness and sadness even when the lower part of the face was included. So I looked up the abstract to her paper, and it did leave me with some more questions. I would like to know why she left out the following part of her results, and I quote from her abstract, preferences for a particular expression were not found. Infants did not look longer at the happy or the angry facial expression independent of the sound manipulation, suggesting that preferences for happy expressions found in prior studies may rest on attention to the toothy smile. I'm almost out of time, so finally I just want to point out 
that there are no experts in the long-term emotional and developmental consequences of wearing masks for hours at a time, day after day. None. That experiment is ongoing, and our children are the subjects. And for the record, I do not consent. Thank you. Are there any others? Yes, we have uh, quite a few here. So the next one will be Clint. Please uh, spell your name and make your comment. Clint Nunnally, C-L-I-N-T-N-U-N-N-A-L-L-Y. My wife has been in contact with several of the trustees, asking them for some scientific basis on their mask mandate. Uh, she's been completely ignored for the most part. Uh, I just want to go on record and state that uh, I'm completely against it. It hasn't slowed the spread of COVID. You guys are fooling yourselves if you're thinking that it's doing that. My kid's entire school at one point was considered close contacts, and they've been wearing masks the whole time. You guys are doing nothing at this point but propagating a narrative, and you're losing. It's time to save some space, save face, and get rid of the mask mandate. You guys are abusing our kids with this. It's harming them. My kid comes home every day with a wet, snot-filled cloth on his mouth, and it's not helping him or anyone else at all. It's time to give it up. Join the party. The rest of the world is done with the mask. We need to be, too. It's time to take our focus off of the navel-gazing of what pronouns we prefer after our name and what membership victimhood we have to minority groups in this country and really focus on what's affecting our kids right now, and that's this ridiculous, abusive mask mandate. Thank you. Are there any others? Yes. Travis, will you please spell your name and make your public comment? <clears throat> yeah, my name is spelled uh, T-R-A-V-I-S-M-A-T-E-E-R. And although my three kids are in the Target Range School District, um, I know that our district follows Missoula County very closely. And I think at this point, it's pretty obvious that politics is driving policy and not science. Um, I've noticed um, op-eds like Grace Deckard's that seem to be recasting reality um, into this situation in which um, her Facebook political activity isn't a violation according to ethics policy that she should be following. Um, I've also noticed op-eds like from Ken Toole that appear to be intentionally um, provocational, and it's incredibly frustrating to see parents like me, depicted as part of some fringe minority. Um, I have a, a, one of my wife's friends is, is very much now against the mask mandate, and she was very against, she was very for all of the policies previously. Um, you are losing the people that were for your policies um, months and months ago, and you guys need to get with the times and change the policies now. It is harmful to the kids, and it needs to change. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any others? Katie, will you go ahead and spell your name and make your public comment? Hi there, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, my name is Katie Kutz, um, and I just wanted to say hi to the board and all the other parents I know are listening now. Even though we can't see each other, 
or be inspired by each other raising our hands or receive encouragement from each other's smiling faces, I know you are out there and I thank you for being a part of this important process. I'm here today to ask the board to bring an urgent vote to the mask issue. It is not a complex issue anymore, unless of course, you continue to get political or virtue signaling points by wearing one without being high risk. Thank goodness we have great data and statistics, finally, regarding this issue. Many states and school districts around the country, even many in the lockdown state of California, are removing mask mandates this week, as of today. St. Joe's and Hellgate Elementary went back to school today um, with the option to show their smiles and return to normal. We are behind these progressive schools who are now following the science better than you are. All the schools around our town have been without masks for a long time and they aren't dying. Their children's aren't dying. Thank God we have the data to show us this and to dissolve our fears. Speaking of fear, sending our kids to school with masks, the vast majority of them are only wearing masks at school. What kind of message is this sending our kids? The message is that school is unsafe. In fact, it is likely to be the only unsafe place left that they go. Playdates, unmasked. Open gym and gymnastics, I went today. Crowded and unmasked. Restaurants, unmasked. Basketball, volleyball, indoor soccer, unmasked. Grocery stores, unmasked. Large, crowded, indoor birthday parties or family gatherings, unmasked. I could go on and on. Yet here we are, furthering our mental health crisis, learning disabilities, speech and language delays, friendships, learning of facial expressions, etc., And most importantly, instilling fear that school is an unsafe place to be. Now that we have undisputed data at this point, this is on you as the board to make the change. We can't play dumb anymore. We know too much to continue to play politics with our kids. We all see through this charade and believe me, you don't look good at ignoring good-hearted, supportive and smart parents pushing us to Zoom, first where we were able to see each other's faces. Now you have removed our faces, taken away the human element, dehumanized the people that voted you in, the people that you serve, people that live in this community together. You have made us faceless voices. Um, I'm gonna quote here from the uh, Montana legislature. Uh, families are empowered to be advocates for their own and other children. It says here right in the Montana state law, and here we are, faceless, nameless, and being ignored in email and unreturned phone calls. We see what you're doing. The lack of transparency is deafening. It's time to readdress why you choose, chose to become public servants and get back to the heart of our children. They deserve it. They need it today, not tomorrow, but today. Thank you. Paul, anyone else? Yes, we have about seven more. The individual that starts with MKEHL, go ahead and state your name and make your public comment. Yes, hello, my name is Travis Kell. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Can you spell that last name for us? Yes, it is K-E-H-L. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to say that I completely agree with the previous people who called in. Uh, this mask mandate is ridiculous. It's completely uh, out of control, and it's making my two children like school less and less every day. And by making it optional, other parents can still send their kids to school with masks if they so desire. But for the rest of us who want our kids to return to somewhat normal uh, school and 
way of life, then I ask that all of you uh, think outside yourselves and rescind the mask policy. Thank you. Okay, and Paul, why don't you just keep going? I'll stay mute. Okay, Casey, want to go ahead and uh, unmute your mic, spell your name, and make your public comment. Thanks, Paul. I'm Casey Ballou, K-A capital C, two small E's, B-A-L-L-O-U. I am the MEA president. I'm a middle school teacher. And since you all gave us um, some indicators that will soon allow for unmasking, I'm going to go to a different topic, if I may. I wanted to wish you all a happy Tuesday to 2222. It's been an awesome day for second graders, since two is the magic number around everywhere right now. It was a great day for time capsules, for famous duos like salt and pepper, ketchup and mustard, and for tutus, even though today it would dictate that it's probably a little too cold for tutus. Um, I wanted to give you just a little insight into some of our school shenanigans and learning that went on today. Um, and also to wish you a happy public schools week. As school board trustees, you all ensure that we have strong public schools welcoming, safe, inclusive spaces for all of our students. Places where teaching and learning, even on days like today when it's really fun, are joyful, engaging, and meaningful. Thank you for serving the students, staff, and families of all of our schools at MCPS for your discussion and decisions on all sorts of topics, be they popular or not, are they lots of comments or not. Thank you for the time and energy you give. We appreciate you. Thank you, Casey. Dave, go ahead and unmute your mic and spell your name and make your public comment. Uh, my name is Dave Nunnally. That's uh, D-A-V-E-N-U-N-N-A-L-L-Y. And uh, I just want to uh, stand behind all the, mo the majority of the comments that we've heard about removing the mask mandate. I would urge the board to take all of the facts, data, science that has been presented to you into account and again, follow suit. We have we have the data, as many have stated already. In fact, even locally here, our University of Montana lifted the mask mandate this week, and I would ask that you do the same for our children, for their well-being, and for everybody's mental health. Thank you. Okay, the individual that's J-A-K-O-B-B-E-S-M-E-R, go ahead and unmute your mic, spell your name, and make your public comment. Hi, this is Jacob Besmer, J-A-K-O-B-B-E-S-M-E-R. Uh, I won't take the full three minutes, just wanted to speak out uh, in support of all the other comments to uh, drop the mask mandate. Um, it's a risk versus reward, uh, and at this point in time, uh, the damage that's happening to our kids every day uh, gets worse and worse uh, from wearing masks, uh, and it's, it's just simply not worth it anymore. Uh, the matrix you have in place to drop it may be reached soon. That would be great. My, my concern is that that would then come back into to being activated again uh, later on, which would be detrimental. So uh, I not only want to speak out against the mask mandate, but also against the matrix that you have in place currently to drop the mask mandate. Uh, that's all I have. Kristen, go ahead and unmute your mic and spell your name and make your public comment. Yes, hi, my name is Kristen Nystun, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, and the last name is N as in Nancy, Y-S as in Sam, T-U-E-N. 
Um, I am a Missoula resident and I'm a mother of two young children. And sorry if you can hear my daughter crying in the background. I'm a busy mom. Um, I'm definitely here to speak about the mask mandate and ask that um, all of you really consider the long-term effects as everyone has been saying. I truly do not see any significant data that is evidence-based and supports wearing masks. Um, and I do see the evidential proof that there is an increase in anxiety and depression in our young children more so than ever before. And these are the leading indicators to severe mental health issues. Um, I know that there are reasons to, to try to justify keeping them in place because of the potential risk of spread. But at this point, COVID is, is no greater risk for children than the flu. Um, and uh, again, all of these other places are seeing the evidence and lifting these mask mandates because they just don't make sense anymore. So please add this to your agenda today to, to vote to get rid of the mask mandate. My children are my greatest priority, <laughs> the biggest investment of my life and their future and their well-being along with all of their peers is paramount so please consider this today thank you so much the individual labeled fm please unmute your mic and spell your name and make your public comment yes good evening my name is faith that's um f-a-i-t-h my last name is m-e-u-s-e-y I just wanted to thank you, uh, trustees, especially for your time and for those that responded to my recent emails. Um, I have a lot of questions and I just, I wanted to urge you all tonight to bring back the mass mandate to your agenda. I've been told by several of you that it is not an important topic and that you'll be discussing other topics. Hear me out, this is, an extremely important topic. There are so many parents like me who are growing more and more frustrated with you tossing it aside and saying that there are more important topics. I was driving my son to school today and he spoke the words, mom, I can't breathe in my masks. I hate wearing these, mom. They give me a headache. I have trouble breathing and I have hard concentrating. You cannot sit there and tell yourself this is not hard on them mentally, physically, emotionally, that is going to develop into much larger prop down the road. State after state has dropped the mask mandate with populations much, much larger than Montana and also has much larger schools than MCPS. Why can't we do the same? Case numbers have fallen and more children are vaccinated today than they were 26 years ago when this started. Please think about this and just use common sense. How can 3,000 people pack into a gym maskless on top of each other and watch a game? Everybody goes home maskless and we don't see a spike in the cases. We have to start thinking about this as it is an important topic because this has a great effect on our children. Districts all around the state have been dropping their mandates. Why can't we? Why is Missoula County Public Schools always the last to stand up and do what's right for our kids? I'm urging you to think about this and really ask yourself 
the long-term effect this will have on our children. Please start listening to all of the parents who have spoken tonight. Every single comment that was left on the public comment page is urging the same. I've been told by many of you that the reason why the mask mandate is in place is because so many parents are asking for it. That's not the case today. I thank you for your time, and I really hope you consider every single comment you're hearing tonight. Thank you. Jenny, please unmute your mic and spell your name and make your public comment. Yeah, this is Jenny, J-E-N-N-I, Rohrbach, R-O-H-R-B-A-C-H. I just like to thank everybody who've been talking on behalf of um, dropping the mask mandate. And I'm one of them. I just really feel like a lot of people are so hesitant to speak up about it in respect to children and teachers. But myself, I just can say that there are so many families with school-age children who have changed their behavior since last fall uh, and are really... Um, you know, move from less protective to more relaxed. And uh, it really is so important to see what's happening around us and in the world. The mask mandates are being lifted in many schools and COVID is similar to the flu for kids vaccinated or not. And the one-way masking for the vulnerable actually works. And the top priority really should be in protecting the mental and social health of all the students. Um, yeah, it is really concerning at this point, the social and mental health of our children. It is more at risk than harm from COVID. And the district needs to revisit the masking policy to address this. Yeah, lastly, let me just cite a team of scientists and pediatrics at urgency, uh, urgencyofnormal.com uh, stating this. Well-controlled, real-world studies have not demonstrated any clear benefit of masking students. And I'd like to quote Dr. Allen, a health director of the Health Buildings Program at Harvard. Masking was a necessary inconvenience early on, and in short stints, it's, it was fine. But to think that two years of masking has no impact on socialization, learning, and anxiety is short-sighted. Kids are resilient, but they are not endlessly resilient. Thank you. Jen? Please unmute your mic and spell your name and make your public comment. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, my name is Jen Bailitz, J-E-N-B as in boy, E-L-I-T-Z. And I am also going to reiterate um, what you've been hearing from, from everyone. Um, as a parent and a paraeducator, I do feel that there is great urgency in advocating for our students now. Um, I feel like um, I need to remind us all that our young students are trying to learn a language. If you put on a mask and sit three to six feet away and see if, see if you can differentiate between the sounds of V and F, TH, SH, CH, the sounds of the vowels, and try learning new words in a new language because this really is a new language to a lot of our young students. And in my experience, it's not just our K through first grade students that are being impeded. It's a barrier to fourth graders. We all depend so much on seeing the movement of the mouth to recognize and understand sounds. I feel that this is um, an urgent um, to their education 
to their social emotional development and for our schools to not take the first chance to that that we feel is safe to take these barriers away i i feel like we are not putting the needs of our students first and so i also would implore you to please consider putting this on your agenda as soon as possible to delay is to delay the benefits that our students could experience in their social emotional and learning environment and um that's what we're trying to do when they come to school. Thank you. Um, Paula, are there others? Yeah, we have a uh, Sue. You want to go ahead and unmute your mic and make your public comment. For some reason, uh, this was the only way I could make her allow her to talk. Okay. Thank you um, for listening to us tonight. My name is Sue Rowe. I am a teacher at Hellgate Elementary, and I'm a grandparent to MCPS students. I went to school today without my mask, and it felt great, as did most of my students. Seeing their smiles and newfound enthusiasm was heartwarming. I have personally witnessed children wearing their disgusting masks under their chins, noses, or merely hanging under their ears. I have personally had multiple discussions with children on a one-to-one -one basis about their sadness while questioning why they have to wear masks. It's heartbreaking. I'm not the mask police, as my job is to catch these children up in their curriculum, but they can't hear me when I'm giving them their spelling words or when I'm reading them a story. They need to see their friends smile. Most of them only wear the mask at school, not outside of school, which sends such mixed messages. You really need to consider the, the mental health of our children. I mean, I see it every day, and I have seen it for over two years in my classroom. And it, there's a huge emotional mess for these poor kids. Thank you for listening. Bridget, go ahead and unmute your mic and spell your name and make your public comment. Yeah, hi, my name is Bridget Johnson, uh, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. First of all, I would like to thank all the trustees. You have had one heck of a couple of years dealing with all this issue with masks and the pandemic, and it's just been a roller coaster, and I think you guys have done a great job. I'm confused why it's still even a topic. I thought you guys already had metrics when you were going to um, uh, let go of the mask, uh, get rid of mask mandates or masks, and I thought that was being followed, and I'm confused why this is even still a discussion. I thought you had some scientific metrics that you were gonna follow, which I approve of. So I'm, I'm not really sure why this is still an issue because I think you're already on that glide path, aren't you? Thank you. Thank you, and as the public's aware, the board is not uh, empowered to respond to public comment, but thank you for your comment. Given, please unmute your mic and uh, spell your name. Given, would you like to make a public comment? 
I would. Sorry, it took me a second. Uh, my name is Given Kutz, K-U-T-Z. I'm a parent of some MPCS, MCPS students. Um, I'm not going to have a lengthy spiel here. I do think it's important that the school board um, address the issue of masks in schools and make it a parent and family choice. And I don't think we can wait. I think it's important that we get a vote on this tonight. If you don't, obviously, the idea that and the school board is looking out for the best interest of the students, if, if the school board doesn't vote on this tonight, that's not the case. So I encourage you to do that. Thank you. Eric, please unmute your mic and make your public comment and spell your name. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Eric Prather, uh, last name Paul Robert Adam Tom Henry Edward Robert. My son's a junior at Big Sky. Uh, this mask mandate's been nothing but a problem. He has severe acne on his face now. It scarred his face for life. He's got to take medication that requires him to get blood tests once a month. How much longer are you going to do this? How much longer does he have to go get blood tests? The chairperson needs to take a vote up tonight. We're tired of it. I've instructed my son not to wear his mask anymore. We're not asking for permission. All right, that is all the hands that have been raised. Thank you, Paul. Okay, we are getting close to the end. Here is my song, Oh Ellen. I can't promise great things from the sound quality. It was recorded from my iPhone, uh, meant as a video in which um, I can express my my love and adoration, not just for great leader, but for the, the great enablers. And <clears throat> there's what I don't think any greater enabler really to our current great leaders ambitions and vision for this Zoom town than Ellen. So um, mad respect, Ellen. Here's a song for you. Thank you. This one's for you, Ellen. <clears throat> Ellen, oh Ellen, I like what you're selling. You know that I think that it's time. You and me pay that box and wreck fee. Yeah! To bury my utility line. Ellen, oh Ellen. I know that I've been yelling about shadow government scams. Yeah, I saw the light and felt the glow tight. Feels so nice on my hand. My delicious boutique and leather mystique. Is that your service, Pookie Poo? So light up the sign to cover up crimes. I know just what to do.
kissing Auntie Jane and creepy ass Lowell will mobilize agents of Christ. Well, deputy badges and morality classes, traffic skin suits and ice. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. Watch the Netflix. Ozark hits, yeah! Chai Archive 81. I'm a synchro mystic, baby. Badges, you're not international. And I know the secret, son. Alright, if you're still hanging in, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of ZoomCron. I'm your host, Travis Matier. I will be back next week. Should be a Mystic Mark episode. Um, I got the download just now, so or maybe, maybe it was yesterday. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. If you want to reach out to me, um, you can hit me up at willskink at yahoo.com. That's W-I-L-L-S-K-I-N-K at yahoo.com. You can go to ZoomCron, that's Z-O-O-M-C-H-R-O-N, Cron, like the chronic, I like that, um, dot com. You can go there for the blog. Um, you can also check out EnginsMissoula.com, so E-N-G-E-N-S-M-I-S-S-O-U-L-A.com, and that's for the three-part documentary series called Engins Missoula. So much cool stuff out there. I'm excited. You should be excited, too, and you should tune in next Tuesday for some new stuff. Thanks. Adios for now.